It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow. And it's a delight to be joined in the studio by James Jones of West Ham World and Will Pugh of the Bulls on the Line podcast. Gents, it was my first ever visit to the London Stadium on Saturday and I'm writing it down as a baptism of fire. Right, so Johnny, before I start, did you enjoy the day? I really enjoyed the day. As a neutral, it was a fantastic game of football. Uh, I was very interested to see the West Ham fan base in the flesh, which is something we'll come on to, because I found the way that the crowd turned and turned again and the way that the players responded to the fans really, really interesting. It was a fantastic game of football. If I were a West Ham fan... I obviously would have been jubilant at the end, but I think I would have also been given cause for concern. Well, luckily enough, Johnny, you've thrown to the right man because I know we got three points, but at the end of the day, we conceded three goals at home to Huddersfield. I'm all about, and I know the old school shout is that, oh, you know, we won 4-3 and we came back and that's the real sign of, you know, a real big team mentality and all that sort of stuff which is a big Manuel Pellegrini chant, if you will. But at the end of the day, Huddersfield have not scored a goal away from home since Boxing Day. Since Boxing Day. Like, just remember where we are in the year now. And all of a sudden, they turn up at West Ham and score three. I know that, you know, every single week we do the... We did that, oh, you know, we're West Ham. And if, you know, Cardiff hadn't won a uh, couple of games and last week it was relegation threatened, haven't won a game at home for three or four games, Cardiff, and they beat West Ham. And once again, it's Huddersfield doomed to relegation, haven't scored a goal away from home since Boxing Day. And 
what happens? They turn up at the London Stadium and they score three. And to be honest, if it wasn't for some absolute tragic Sunday league defending <laughs> from them towards the end, we don't win that game. And that's not good enough. On With- Huddersfield, I take your point, absolutely. On Huddersfield, not scoring away from home since Boxing Day. You could argue that the man who tore West Ham apart, Carlin Grant, wasn't actually playing for the club on Boxing Day. And he could perhaps, in terms of going forward, have changed nope. their fortune. Irrelevant, irrelevant, irrelevant. That's one man. Football's a, it's a, fo- but the second football's a game goal, of 11 players. The, the first it? Carlin Grant goal, in fact, both of the first two Huddersfield goals are terrible defending from a West Ham perspective. That, that's I the was, point I'm I, making. I was in Pellegrini's press conference after the game and he said, Listen, I'm broadly happy with the comeback, but I am absolutely livid that my team have conceded two goals from set plays, even though we know that basically that's Huddersfield's only threat. The third goal, I'm not sure you can really legislate for. No, let, let's be honest. One of Huddersfield's goals, screamer, screamer. Let's, like we, we all saw it. Nice little bit of skill in the middle. He's pulled it away from Ogbonna, who has maybe lunged in, but at the end of the day, he's still... Like, reduced him to a shot from what 21 yards out maybe he's pinged it in the top corner you're going to go fair enough but we've won the game based on some tragic defending by Huddersfield but at the end of the day that is a team who are doomed to relegation they will go down at the end of the year and they've scored three goals at the London Stadium that's not good enough I understand your frustrations completely particularly from a defensive point of view but is there not also an argument that football's about romance. Football is about comebacks. It's about drama. And actually, the atmosphere in that cauldron of a stadium when the fourth goal went in for West Ham was so much more extreme than anything we'd have seen in the event of just a comfortable 3-0 win. All right, can I get a word in now? Sorry, James. <laughs> sorry, sorry, word sorry. You can go. Listen, I get that. And it was brilliant seeing us come from 3-1 down to win 4-3. Um, and I do see where Will's coming from in that, you know, come on, this is Huddersfield. We shouldn't be conceding three goals at home to Huddersfield. But Huddersfield up their game. Um, and you're right, Colin Grant, you know, he's, he's a good player for them and they signed him in January and, you know, he was the difference for them. But I think you've got to look at it. You know, we've got three points. We're still unbeaten at home in, what, seven seven or eight games now. And I think you've got to take the positives and that's, okay, the defending wasn't great. But Ogbonna and Diop have been relatively strong at the back for you know for some time they're going to have an off game um and it just so happened to be that they had an off game against the worst team in worst team in the premier league so that's why i'm not too too fussed about the whole you know oh, it was it was Huddersfield why why did we beat them 5 or 6 nil why was it 4-3 at the end of the day we won the football match we got 3 points we scored 4 goals Chicharito came off the bench and, and made a difference. Sammy Nashri came off the bench and, and was incredibly impressive. He was he was my man of the match. Um, and there's there's positives to take from it. And I think you know over the last few weeks, you know the defeat to Cardiff, um, you know the defeat to Wimbledon, you know a couple of months ago. It's been we've always been looking at the negatives. Always been looking at the negatives. Um, and I know Will, you're smiling at me now. Um, but I, only because because when you say we look at the negatives, <laughs> you, may, you basically mean me. No, 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 <laughs> no. I, I just think that you know, let's look at the positives. Let's look at the positives. We've won a football match. We're unbeaten at home, and, and you know, I think since the beginning of Christmas. Which let's have it right. When we moved to that stadium, we would never have dreamed of being unbeaten at home in what seven games because everyone hates the stadium, and the stadium is going to be the end of the football club, and you know, the football club is going to die because we're in this athletic stadium. 
But instead, we actually took, you know, we're not bad at home. And, okay, we conceded three against Huddersfield, but it's not the end of the world. We won the game. If the game had finished 3 all, because the phrase you keep saying oh, is we won the different. game. This is the thing. If it had finished 3 all, would your whole ethos about the entire game in every sense be different? You've got to look at it in the, okay, if it ended 3 all, you go, we did well to come back for 3-1, but... Should... <laughs> you would. Yeah, I would, yeah, because I'm Mr. Positive and, you know, I always look on the positive side and um, fans tend to dislike me for that most of the time. But, yeah, it, it wouldn't have been acceptable. It definitely wouldn't have been acceptable. Um, and I can see Will's point in that it's not acceptable to concede three at home um, to Huddersfield. But we've won a game, so let's not look at, oh, you know... But was the performance acceptable? Um, the performance in, in stages was, and in stages it wasn't. You know, at 1-0, we were, we were plain sailing. But then that arrogance that we saw against Wimbledon, that we saw against Cardiff, that we saw against Wolves, Bournemouth, Brighton earlier on in the season... That arrogance came through when we won one new up against Huddersfield because I think those players thought we're going to score six or seven here and it's going to be a rout and it's going to be brilliant. And they let they let Huddersfield back into the game as a result of that. And it was only until it went three one and they went, oh my god, you know, this is gonna, we're, we're in trouble here. That's when they decided to start playing. And and luckily we could call upon the likes of you know Javier Hernandez and Sam Nasri from the bench, which luckily for us Huddersfield didn't have. You know we were lucky that bench at the weekend was really strong. We could call them players like that to change games. Um, so again, that's another positive. We've got players off the bench that can make that can make an impact. Johnny, just a quick one. That's a politician's answer for no. The performance was not acceptable. <laughs> just so you know. No, because Maybe, yeah. I, I do agree. But the the key for me and what you you touch on then about if we'd have drawn the game three all or if we'd lost it three two, which let's be honest, against any other team in the Premier League or certainly sixteen out of the twenty teams in the Premier League. We we don't score four goals against that defence. The the last um, Hernandez is the winner. Was let's be honest that that was embarrassing. The goalkeeper I've I've seen mates of mine when I've been playing Sunday morning football who've been out for twelve <laughs> pints a night before make better saves and better <laughs> goalkeeping decisions than that. Like if 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 we're all honest with each other that we were we were very lucky to win that game and. I'm I'm all for taking the positives out of performances, especially when we've won four three at home, which is and you know it is good, and to score four goals at home is impressive. But really, when when we take a step back, if I was a Huddersfield fan, I'd be gutted to be quite honest. Well, because they were they the, were and, sure they were getting a win, and their goals were better than ours. Let's let's again to to quote James, let's have it right. Their, <laughs> their goals were better than ours. But if you want to talk about defensive horror shows their first goal from a West Ham point of view is absolutely abysmal you're dealing with Leandro Bakuna who isn't exactly a giant of a man completely and I mean completely unmarked what seven yards out centrally off a corner what on earth is going on there well I mean I almost want to offer it to James answer because I totally agree I, <laughs> I, I, do, I do agree I... with that and if I'm honest I did say a minute ago that you know Diop and Ogbonna didn't have their best game, you know, and they've been since bueno has been injured. They've been quite strong defensively. They've built up a decent little partnership at the back, um, and it, it's well documented that you know they had they had a poor game together. They, they, their communication wasn't there, um, and players have bad games. Players have bad games. I mean, you know, we've got a lot of players this season that have had bad games like consistently. 
Um, but those two, I think, you know, given that we won the game, you can go, okay, they had a bad game, but luckily, luckily, and I'll and I'll admit that we were lucky at the weekend. We were lucky, um, but you know, given the benefit of the doubt, we won the game. Ogbonna chips in with a goal. Was this just a case though of a couple of players not turning up, or were there things tactically in terms of the system that Pellegrini got wrong? I don't think it was the system. You know, I think you know the fact that we. We went and won the game. You know, we, we, we had more than enough um, to, to win that game, regardless of whether we conceded three goals. I think, uh, and I said it a minute ago, it was all about the mentality, I think, for me. Um, it goes back to you know the way we played against Cardiff, the way we played against Wimbledon. I think Pellegrini and a lot of the players have come out racing saying it's big team mentality. You know, We've got this big team mentality, but then we go to... Smaller, we play against um, smaller clubs, less successful football clubs, and um, we go in there with that big team mentality. But it's it's less big team mentality, and more arrogance, and more a self uh, sort of entitlement that we're going to go because we got this big team mentality. We're going to go again. We're going to play Huddersfield at home, and we're going to beat them five or six now. And I think when that penalty went in, when Noble scored that penalty, I think a lot of the players in that football pitch thought, right, okay, we're going to we're going to score a lot, and a lot of the fans, and a lot of the fans did as well. And no, yeah, absolutely, you're right. Um, and I suppose we had a right to think that because you know, given Huddersfield's season so far and you know their form, not scored away from home since since Christmas and and whatnot, you expect us to go and score five or six, um, or at least four, like we did, but without conceding. So I don't think it was the tactics as such. I think it was more the mentality, and I think that's where we've gone wrong this season on several occasions. Interesting. I thought. As a neutral, my first time at the London Stadium, one thing that struck me about not just the fans, but the nature of the result was that the way that the crowd responded to the team actually seemed to be having a fairly direct influence on the performance and in turn on the result. And that's what we'll be touching on in just a moment. This is Love Sport. Well, we've got some argument in the studio. It has to be said. Will Pugh, the balls on the line pod, is saying it wasn't good enough. I don't care about the three points. The performance wasn't there. James Jones of West Ham World being a little more merciful, saying, listen, we got the win and that's what matters. For me, as a neutral, this was my first experience of the London Stadium and I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great place to go. And at first, uh, well, as you pointed out, particularly once Noble scores the penalty, plain sailing for West Ham. When it was plain sailing for West Ham, the crowd were great. They were positive, there was singing going on, we get the bubbles every time we score, everybody's happy. I was really struck by the extent to which when the first Huddersfield goal goes in, and then particularly the second, let alone the third, and I know that a factor here is that these were poor goals to concede, but the crowd turned completely and they turned really quickly, and it just seemed to immediately go, you are all rubbish, what are you doing? Do you think that's normal, and do you think what I'm saying is fair? First of all, yeah, I I do think it's normal. I think anyone at home against a team who's performed like Huddersfield have this season, whether it's West Ham, Tottenham, you know, anyone in the Premier League, basically, bar maybe Fulham, if you, you went to St James's Park and, you know, they have performed nowhere near as well as West Ham have on occasion this year. And they conceded three at home to Huddersfield. St. James's Park go mental and they, they have the same reaction. So I, I do think that's completely reasonable and completely fair from the West Ham fans to react in that manner. And like you said there, I, I think, A, that's the nature of football anyway. 
that it goes it goes up and down and yeah rightfully so i was i was guilty of it as well unfortunately i had to watch remotely from a from a shift working at the weekend but i you know i had the game on i was the same noble put the penalty in i called it on the show last week six nil if you'll all remember well you and were right about the goals yeah just, exactly. just they went in both nets well, that's kind of what i meant but, <laughs> and I, I was sitting there almost itching to text james telling him how i was right all along and he should listen to me more often but that you know i was guilty of that as well west ham went one new up i thought this is going to be easy but no, by all means, I think it's perfectly reasonable for the fans to get upset when you concede three goals at home to a team who are definitely going to get relegated and have not scored away since Boxing Day. I don't disagree with that. And I think a lot of people that might be listening that sort of have followed me on Twitter and over the last few years, particularly since we moved into the stadium and know my views on the way fans behave at the ground. Um, and I've made no secret that, you know, I, I think that sometimes fans don't themselves. Uh, or the football club but you know I completely get that in that you know you have every right to be moaning you paid your money you paid your, you paid for your ticket you, you've rocked up there on a Saturday expecting to, to, to beat Huddersfield only to find you, you know your 3-1 down to them um, with, within an hour or 55 minutes or whatever it was um, but at the same time um, I think that uh, and where I was telling you before you know I got into a little bit of an argument at the game with a fan that uh, appeared to be leaving. There was many fans leaving at 3-1. Um, and I sit at the end of the row and a lot of fans were, but the moment it went 3-1, they all got up and they all started walking out. And I, you know, I, I said a few words to a few of them. Um, unfortunately, what, what, what were those words? Uh, I can't repeat them live on air. Um, was it, is there a fire alarm? Uh, something like that. Along those lines, wasn't it? Along those lines. And, uh, so you were, you were seriously unhappy to see people I was unhappy because, you know, we're, we're, there's, there's more than half an hour left to play. We're, we're at home. Um, and for the last three years since we moved into that stadium, there's been a lot talking about, you know, a lot of fans going, there's no atmosphere at the ground. Oh, you know, the fans, uh, the players don't give us any reason um, to support the club at home because we keep losing. We're unbeaten this, uh, since Christmas, uh, since before Christmas when we lost to Watford. Um, so that argument doesn't stand up anymore. So if you're leaving at 3-1 with half an hour, 35 minutes to go, then, you know, you can't then complain about, oh, there's no atmosphere. You know, you've got to stay there and support the football team. Um, and unfortunately, I don't know I called out a few a few fans. Some of them ignored me. One of them didn't. Uh, it turned out he's only going to the toilet, which was a little bit embarrassing <laughs> at my point. Um, next time I see him, I am going to apologise to him. But um, are you sure he was only planning on going to the toilet? I when know. he said something. Maybe he was leaving, and you shamed him. Maybe I'd, I'd like to. I mean, I don't really want to insult him any further because I did feel <laughs> awful afterwards. Um, you were definitely in the wrong, weren't you? I was definitely in the wrong. Let's yeah, and all my mates had told me I was in the wrong at the time. So. Uh, I regret that, um, but I just don't. Why are you leaving? You know, if you're leaving with five minutes to go, because um, you've got to beat the traffic, get that. You want to get your train home, you've got a long way to go home, get that completely. But you know, with 35 minutes to go, it doesn't matter what the scoreline is. You should you should stay and just see what we can do. I mean, th- those fans that did leave, more for them. You know, they've missed a, a, a great comeback, regardless of the performance, regardless of the playing. It was a good comeback. I totally agree on that point, to be honest, and I've. You know, I've admitted on this show before that I've left games early, but again, not as early as half an hour before the end of the game, maybe 10 minutes max. But one thing I'm interested to hear from you, James, especially, is we're, do you, what do you think about the idea that perhaps we are too, you know, personifying the two different mindsets of West Ham fans in that I'm perhaps 
getting on board a bit more with that big team mentality in that we, you know, we beat Huddersfield at home, fair play. Pretty much most teams in the league have beaten Huddersfield at home this season. Mm. However, we've made a, the, a meal of the it. Big of a, yeah, the, the biggest pig's ear out of everyone, perhaps. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a bit more buying into that Pellegrini mentality where... He won't be happy with that. No way in a thousand years is Pellegrini like you know doing not, what you're yeah. doing and you know celebrating that <laughs> difficult, horrible win. And you know perhaps you're a bit more in that mindset of you know when we used to finish twelfth or thirteenth every year and just happy with getting three points at home. That's head, I'm not head shaking. That. I'm not having that. I want to see like every other West Ham or uh, West Ham fan. I want to see the club do as well as possible. I'm not happy with twelfth. Uh, I'm not happy with ninth. No, I want to see the club you know, push. And I get behind that whole big team mentality. When he first said that earlier this season when we beat Everton back in September, I was delighted. I was like, finally we've got a manager that really wants to instill that sort of mentality into the football club. Get us playing some good football. Get us winning football matches. Um, but there have been times where they've kind of gone, that, gone too far. And I keep saying it. There's, there's an arrogance sometimes about, that, uh, about the team. Uh, and that's not particularly Pellegrini's fault. That's just the players, I think, rocking up expecting to win football matches when they're on a, on, on a good run. Um, so I, I don't subscribe to the fact that, you know, there are fans that are quite happy just for us to settle set in 12 because that's completely wrong. But it is a question of support, isn't it? And the reason why I brought up the atmosphere and the atmosphere turning when you went a goal down, then two goals down, was that the players' performance didn't get any better when the crowd turned. It kind of got worse. But in terms of the West Ham support, as soon as you got one goal back, and it was 3-2 in the 75th minute, the atmosphere turned again, completely. All the fans were up for it. All of the fans were cheering. All of them were singing. Everyone was pushing the team on. The The performance on the pitch was completely unrecognisable as soon as the fans started getting behind the team. Once the third goal goes in, and particularly when you start getting set plays in the last couple of minutes, it was like the fans were blowing the ball into the goal, which I know is a cliche, but there was just this extraordinary feeling around the place. I know that it's your right as football fans to complain when your team are bad, and no team should have to except conceding three against Huddersfield. But actually, if West Ham's fans had stayed a bit more positive, even when the team were losing, because it wasn't a bad performance. It was breaking down in the final third, but there were good signs there. Anderson was bright. If they chanted throughout, I think the performance on the pitch would have been stronger throughout. This has been a problem. and I think it still goes down to the stadium. And that fans are still using that as a bit of an excuse for, you know, if a team go 1 0 down, then it's like, oh, you know, moans and groans, this stadium, can't believe it, you know, why have we moved? And I, I do genuinely believe that that's still a, that's still a thing that goes on uh, amongst the fans. We've seen it so many times over the last three seasons, that, or two and a half seasons, in that we go 1 0 down, and uh, the fans, you know, I just, it doesn't matter who we're 1 0 down against, you know, they're just, you know, they're just annoyed, you know, and they make it known. That you know we shouldn't be one 0 down against anyone at home. It could be Man City who tend to score about eight against us every game, and you know after the first one goes in, then oh no, I can't believe I it. I don't think that's true though. Is no, it? I mean I've, 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 I see it. You know fans go, oh, you know you should be doing better than this, and you know I, I just think that you know we need to start. Fans need to start showing more support over the course of ninety minutes, not when we're winning one nil, not when it's nil nil, even when you're not playing well. 
I he, would he, argue, which and is I hard. agree. I agree because but, don't, don't, I mean, not no team right, plays well one hundred percent of the time for an entire season. Uh, not even the biggest teams. Not even the biggest teams. Um, and my fear is that we're we're trying to run before we can walk uh, as, as a fan base. In that, okay, we moved into the stadium. Okay, we've been given a lot of promises that have been broken by the board, and we expect everything to happen immediately. Um, and we expect to be beating. I mean, we should be expecting to beat Huddersfield without conceding three goals. I absolutely get that. But when things do go wrong, because they do go wrong at, at you know at bigger clubs, not let alone little old West Ham, we should refrain from throwing our toys out the pram and just going like okay that's fine we can get behind the team here and it's gonna be absolutely fine like it you know what happened on on saturday where we came from behind and won four three i don't really know what bit to start with first i mean first of all i'm enjoying this, this we're, we're not little old west ham anymore are we that's that's the whole idea and that's the whole point of what we're all talking about from the manager the board down to supposedly the fans is that we're not little old west ham anymore we've got a stadium that fits sixty thousand people in it so we're not little old West Ham. But more importantly, when we were at Upton Park, you cannot tell me, I know there was plenty of games where the atmosphere was fantastic, but you cannot tell me that there was not games where, especially when we were in the Championship or even when we were in the Prem, when we were playing teams that we expected to beat, that, you know, the, the crowd didn't do exactly the same thing. It was just less people, like, going... If we went 1-0 down home to Bristol City or whoever it was, and I remember watching us in the Championship against Bristol City on a Tuesday night. and It was awful. It, exactly. Yeah. And the, the same I thing happened. That. It's but just more people doing it. It's the same concept in that, you know, everyone talks about the new stadium and goes, oh, you know, I miss Upton Park. I mean, everyone misses Upton Park for a start, but oh, this would never happen at Upton Park. Upton Park, was, you know, it was a fortress. It was a cauldron. No, it wasn't. Exactly. No, yeah. it wasn't. You know, it, it had its nights, particularly under the lights. You know, it had its it had its games. It had its days over the years, over the decades, uh, and everyone remember those days. But you can't, you're telling me we can't have the same the same at London Stadium. Like, but, come on. But but I just, I think we do. I think we do. I think it's just the same. It, when it's good, it's really really good, and when it's bad, it's it's really really bad. That was my experience. The the Huddersfield at three one. It was some of the least enthusiastic football support I've ever witnessed and then as soon as it was 3-2 West Ham it was some of the best support I've ever witnessed and it transferred onto the pitch am I talking rubbish or do fans have a duty to support their team regardless of performance get in touch on 0208 70 20 558 up next a word on a certain Mr Samir Nasri this is love sport you are with Johnny Burrow, Will Pugh and James Jones here on Love Sport Radio for the West Ham Fan Show. If you want to get in touch, you can do so on 0208 70 20 558. And Reese has done just that. Reese, are you getting in touch because I'm winding up West Ham fans about their level of support? Um, bit of both, really. How are we doing, chaps? Anyway, good show. Um, uh, it's a bit off and off. I can understand Will's what he's saying about, you know, trying to beat others food at home and things like that. But I've also got a mirror of what you've been saying about Upton Park as well. And, uh, you know, I think it's a bit half and half with our fans. We, we demand that we turn up and we try and beat teams 5-0, whoever we're playing. If we don't happen, 
people are walking out. I've seen people leave at half time. I've been done it many a time where I've walked out before the end of the game, missed certain goals, and I think you know there's no way of sort of stopping it. So you know it's the first time in 20 years this year that I had a season ticket, and I was watching the game Saturday at home, and I turned around to my wife and said at three one, I said, Do you know what, it's one of these games. I'm glad I'm not at. It looked cold. Looked like nothing was happening. As soon as we scored, I said, "We'll win this." You know, it's ridiculous. So, you know, it's a bit from both sides of it. I can see why people do it and why people have the ump when people do leave. You know, certain circumstances where people have got to get trains and everything. So, you know, but if it's just leaving because you got the ump, then you know, sometimes I think that's a bit silly. But now, Re- you know, Reece, that's my opinion. Reese, I, I get what you're saying about the. Certainly, the the leaving early, and you know, let's be honest, we've all done it. But do you not think that all this clamour about oh, you know, the the crowd was really bad when we were losing three one at home to Huddersfield? Well, yeah, a they should be, and whether there's sixty thousand people saying that or thirty five up to park, <laughs> if you've conceded three at home to Huddersfield, then everyone's got a right to be annoyed. But do you not think that you know, with this big team mentality that Pellegrini's trying to put in at the moment, that are struggling to beat Huddersfield at home, it, it just isn't good enough? Um, I think yes and no, really, mate. Um, I think, obviously, if we hadn't have won, after what happened in Cardiff, there'd be sort of an uproar about it. I, I personally think this stage of the season, I'm not saying that, you know, before the game that we're 100% safe because I know things can happen, but in my opinion, this stage of the season, that we can still get some... At the moment, I think results are just all that matters, and how we win. You know, I don't think it matters how we how we get results. Um, the big game mentality and, and things like that. I don't. I don't know. I, you know, whatever level you play at, I think if you turn up against a team at the bottom of the league, you probably think you've won the game in the tunnel. And I think we we're our worst enemies for that West Ham. You know, I've been to so many games where we're playing teams that haven't scored away from home, haven't won away from home players that haven't scored their first goals and everything seems to happen against us, doesn't it? Do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah, Reese, so, I can't uh, Reese, I can't disagree with that. I think, you know, I can't remember the amount of players that have gone thirty or forty games without scoring and then <laughs> scored actually against us. Um but I mean do you see do you see signs that, you know, we could be seeing the back of this? And I know we we we, we do Will and I appear to be talking about this every single week. And you know, this big team mentality um, you know, this arrogance that seems to come through when we're playing the likes of Cardiff and Huddersfield and, and Wimbledon and, and, and the rest of it. But, you know, do, do you see that we're, we're beginning to see the back of it given what Pellegrini's trying to do um, and given, you know, how the club is, is at least trying to move forward with the stadium move, with the with the, the new calibre of players we're seeing to come through and as well, like the sort of the, the academy uh, beginning to sort of bring, bring through a, a few decent looking players as well? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that we've got enough players in the squad that you know would try and keep us sort of level-headed. I know most weeks you talk, we all talk about Noble and you know whether he should be in the side or not or what he brings to the team. But you know we have got some players that you'd like to think would turn around and say, "Hang on a minute, this is these are the teams we're playing." I know people like maybe Anderson, maybe first year, maybe he just sort of thinks to himself, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying against who we play and." things like that, but I think we've got enough players that have played in them games where they must sort of think, hang on, it's more about consistency. Um, 
And you'd obviously like to think that Pellegrini would be saying to the players that you're under pressure if you don't perform. Um, certainly, I was surprised when Antonio got dropped a couple of games ago and I, because I thought he was doing all right. And then he's come on in the last few games and gone back to his old self where he's getting the ball and blasting it over the stand as far as he can. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's one of them... I think it's good he's keeping them on, on their toes, but, you know, it, I don't know. I don't... I don't I just look at it and think that sometimes over the years we've gone into games where you're thinking, hang on, we should be winning. The the, the one game that still gets me is uh, when we played Swansea the last uh, second from last game at Upton Park, and it was like yeah. a formality that we were going to we were going to win it, roasting up day, and they turned up and destroyed us. And I think that you know that season they were they were rubbish. So you know it, it's just uh, I don't know. Can we have an off day? You know, teams like us, you watch City and teams like that sometimes and, you know, they scrape a win and things like that. So, I think with the more better players we get, then it shouldn't happen, but it's West Ham United, I'm afraid. <laughs> Reese, one thing I'd love to hear your thoughts on is Sami Nasri. He was really, really bright against Huddersfield, came off the bench, changed the game, but could yep. be leaving the club in the summer. If you had your way, would you keep him for another year or two? Um, I think you could see that the, the, the game against Arsenal, the to me didn't look like he'd been away from playing football and obviously been training and stuff. But he, he hasn't lost his his class as such in terms of dictating the play with the ball. And I think you could see that on Saturday. Next thing's going to be wages if we're going to keep him. I, I'm a, I, I don't know where he would actually play now. Lanzini's fit, <coughs> excuse me, but. Or if they play in the same sort of position, but if he wants to stay, I think it would be a fantastic addition to keep. Um, again, he's he's played in big games, um, does chip in with the odd goal. I know we haven't uh, seen anything like that, but I think even showing that on Saturday, class apart from other players just coming on. I mean, I, I, I'm not one for stats, but I think I've read it in the week that he. Every pass he tried was he completed. It was like hundred percent or something like that. So, Sounds like you keep him, Reese. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. You heard it here 100%. first, Reese. Thanks very much <laughs> for your call. No worries, chaps. Re- really enjoyed that, Reese. Not doubting Sami Nasri. He came off the bench against Huddersfield. He was great. Even if he is playing second fiddle to Lanzini, he showed against Huddersfield that he can change games as a late addition. Would you two keep him, even though the wages are quite big? I think Reese made a good point there. I think it's, it would probably boil down to the wages, to be fair. Lanzini gets in the team ahead of him mm. every week. If it is a choice between them two, depends what happens with Hernandez. Nasri's going to demand that sort of wages, so I, I think it would come down to that. I think it will do, but at the same time, you, you need more than one player in that position. You, you know, And Nasri is at an age now where he's not going to be starting every week. Or, or if he is, you know, he's going to be edging towards... you know. Uh, I, I wouldn't say retirement, but being a sort of a, an impact player and a bench player, given his age, um, so I don't I don't see any harm in actually signing him up to maybe a one or two year contract and having him as Lanzini's backup because we saw against Huddersfield that he can come off the bench and, and make an impact and and actually ch- change a game when we need it, regardless of who we're playing against. You know, we've already seen in the six or seven games he's played that he can have a good a good, a good impact. So why not have it? Although Lanzini's the starter, why not have him in there? Lanzini picks up a knock. We've got someone who's good enough to just come in and slot in there nicely. I also think 
in terms of versatility, Nazri and Lanzini are actually slightly different players. They're playing the same role. But one thing that Nazri showed against Huddersfield wasn't just the beautiful passing, the 100% completion that Reese was mentioning. It was actually something he's always had, which is a little bit of Marseille street kid, a little bit of scrap, a little bit of fight for the assist for that first Hernandez goal. It's not just that the ball to the back post is great. It's that he wins it himself Mm. with actually a potentially quite nasty high foot. And I think he gives you that ability to have someone in the side who's creative, but without perhaps losing as much when you're on the back foot. Definitely. I totally agree with that, actually. I think, although it you know, it was an easy point to make, really, for me, then, about wages, and it will come down to that, let's be honest, but in reality, if, if you had the option to have him in the squad, then absolutely, because, like you say, Lanzini's quick, he's lively, but, you know, if there's a 50-50, he'll you know, he's probably not going to come through it. But that that side of Nazri, that he, he does bring you that and the quality with it. But I think ultimately it, it is. I don't want to just be too businesslike. But it's going to come down to wages, isn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, we we know the club. I mean, I know we're paying him a fair a fair whack already. But that was because Lanzini was out injured and we needed someone to slot in there when we needed him. So if you know if going to stay then he's probably going to have to take a bit, another wage cut I would have thought well Pellegrini's clearly keen on him Nazri as you were pointing out James coming to the end of his career time to look to those who are just starting out because coming up we'll be talking to Tony Carr the former West Ham Academy director this is Love Sport you are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with Johnny Burrow, James Jones and Will Pugh. And I'm delighted to say that we're joined on the line by Tony Carr, former Academy Director at West Ham. Tony, good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Good news around the club this week. Not just yeah. three points against Huddersfield. Also news about Ben Johnson's new contract, an extension until 2022. Does he excite you as a young talent coming through? Yeah, I think he's developed quietly, Ben. I mean, obviously, he's been with the club a while, and uh, I, I remember him as um, obviously a 14, 15-year-old, uh, just coming up, coming up in the sort of background, really, coming up quietly. And sometimes the, the later developers that, that, that develop slowly and, and, and progressively are the ones that keep coming and, and keep progressing and, and come all the way. Sometimes the early developers that you get excited about don't make it. But Ben is, uh, has been progressing slowly and I'm pleased to say that he's, he's been given a new contract so that must show their faith in him. Hi, Tony. Um, is this something that, you know, throughout your career, you, you know, you saw quite a lot of in that, you know, we've seen Ben Johnson come through quite late. Dean Garner's another one this season that's yeah. come through quite yeah. late as well. Um, but then, you know, you've got other youth players that sort of been in, in and around the first team, sort of being loaned out or getting the odd cup game, you know, the, the likes of Josh Cullen um, yeah. in, in recent years that still hasn't really broken in but tends to get the cup game and then goes out on loan. You know, yeah. what, what is it about that? You know, you know, you said that, you know, it tends to be the late bloomers, but it seems to be, you know, almost, particularly at West Ham, almost always the late bloomers that get the chance of Declan Rice aside. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's tough to get into any Premier League team. I mean, I spoke to Josh Friday, funnily enough. Um, we just bumped into each other, and he's, he's really enjoying his time at Charlton. And, mm. 
he's regularly in the team, which is invaluable. He's playing league football every weekend. So um, he, he's, he's really getting good reviews there and uh, the staff like him there. And um, he's proving that he can play at that level. Charlton are uh, up towards the top of the league, going for promotion and playoffs or promotion automatic. And it, it's invaluable uh, experience for him. He'll come back to West Ham in in pre-season, next season, and um, obviously it'll be the opportunity that he may get in pre-season, whether the manager puts him in pre-season games. And it's then about the mark he can make and use this experience that he's getting now to show that he has developed and, and pushed on. But uh, you, know, you need people to show that, that, that can show faith in you, and, and you know, that's the beauty of Declan. He, his rise has been you know slow and up and down. He's not played brilliantly every game, and especially in his early early appearances. But the manager stuck with him, and the manager believed in him. And uh, obviously, this weekend we're hoping that he'll get an England cap. But um, certainly, uh, with, with someone like Josh and others, um, it's just about their opportunity. Mm. And, and sometimes, and not, I'm not spe- speaking particularly about Josh, but sometimes it, they may have to go and leave the club to sort of start the journey somewhere else and, and, and progress up the ladder that way mm. because not every talented kid is going to is going to get in the team and make it so it, it is a tough it is a tough um, job and it's a tough to get in, it's tough to get into a premier league team tony you you touched on it there briefly about the the manager and the manager giving declan a chance in particular but do you yeah. think that uh, for the first time for a long time at west ham we've got a manager who feels his tenure isn't as short term as we've had perhaps before, and that you know Pellegrini probably deserves some credit, in fact, for for pumping that youth into the team. Oh, I think he deserves immense credit, you know. And like all first team managers, I don't always get it right, but you know, he, he seems. I don't know him. Um, I've not met him, but he seems to me that he's obviously he's a very experienced manager. You know, he's been at the very highest level, and. Um, He's got his way, he's got his philosophy and he's got his the way he does things and he's going to stick with it. He's not going to chop and change because, you know, one or two bad results or he's not going to get too excited if there's one or two good results. He seems very level-headed. He sticks to his plan, his game plan, his philosophy, the way he wants to play. And obviously the benefit of that has been um, that he, he wants to blood young players. And all a manager can do is give them the opportunity. And then it's up to the player to show that he's ready at that point. I can always remember saying to players when I was working with them, if you get an opportunity to go and train with the first team or if you get an opportunity to get a call up and be in the manager's eye, just make sure you're ready for that opportunity and grasp it because it may be the only opportunity you get for him to see you. So it is, it, it is, um, it, it, it is important that you have a manager that believes in you know, developing and, and blooding young players. Tony, for you as a coach, when you're trying to develop a young player and bring him through, how much of it is about you know working on the technical side of the game and how much is actually mental, giving these guys a sense of self-belief in their own quality and the fact that although this is obviously an incredibly tough game to break into, they are good enough to do it? I think the mental side of it has is, is been seriously undervalued over the years because you know you, that's what sets some of the great players apart. I've, I've come across players that have got talent, but talent alone is not enough. They've got to be mentally strong. They've got to be, you know, take the knocks when they come because they're going to come. You know, don't get carried away too much with the ups. 
and, and you know, get carried away with it. Uh, keep level-headed, keep working hard and, and keep having the attitude that I want to get better. I can get better. And, uh, you know, don't be satisfied with just one or two decent performances. You know, want to improve your um, yourself constantly. And the mental side of it is, is, is massive. Tony, you've just you've touched on it there about the the mental side of the game and and don't rest on your laurels. Me and James have had a bit of a tete-a-tete in the studio tonight about how we feel about the result against Huddersfield. We've conceded yeah. three goals at home to a team who are almost certainly getting relegated. What was your what were your thoughts on the performance? Just a set on argument in the studio. <laughs> Obviously, I think overall at times this season we've conceded too many goals. We've had periods where we've, we've conceded too many goals. And Saturday, I think you got, again. Maybe this was a mental thing. I don't. I don't know. I'm not close enough anymore. But maybe it's a mental thing. They, they've gone into a game that all the fans, all the punters, expect West Ham to win comfortably, and they're the teams we tend to struggle with at times. You know, when we play Liverpool, it's you know we're up for it, and it's you know we we should have beat Liverpool at the London Stadium this season, mm. and um, you know they were lucky to get away with a draw. And um, the Huddersfield, it was one of those, you've got, you got nothing to gain. Everyone expects you to win. And sometimes, psychologically, that has, a, that has, an, has an effect. And sometimes we score within five minutes. And sometimes it's, oh, job done. And obviously, Huddersfield proved they've got a good spirit. And, and they came back and, and scored three goals without reply from us. And um, it took us, they, they were, the substitutions were, were crucial to, to change the, the, the pattern, change the rhythm of the game for, for us. And um, we luckily got back into it and won it. And uh, if you do that and you're free one down against, with, with, with the best, res- you know, showing good respect to Huddersfield against better teams, you ain't coming back from that. So it is a lesson for us. You know, we got three points. All the fans went home happy with that. But, you know, obviously reservations about the middle hour, really. Uh, it's, uh, the last 15 were good and maybe the first 15 was good. But the middle hour... You know, we weren't really at the races and Huddersfield, you know, raced into that 3-1 lead. So very, a good result, disappointed performance at times. Very diplomatic, Tony. The three points matter, but yeah. Will's also right. The performance wasn't good enough. Thanks ever so no, much. No, it was poor. Yeah, us. it was poor. To be fair, it was poor. Cheers, Tony. Wonderful to talk to you. Tony Carr, MBE there, former West Ham Academy director. Stay where you are because the club has enjoyed a £4 million redevelopment of the Chadwell Heath training complex for the youth and we'll be talking to Jack Rosser, Evening Standard correspondent, who's been having a chat with under-18s boss Jack Collison. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio and West Ham's facilities have got a boost in the form of a £4 million redevelopment of Chadwell Heath. It's exciting times for the youth teams, not just because of the facilities but also because of the staff. Jack Collison is under-18's boss and Carlton Cole is also working with the youth in a technical capacity former Hammers working with Hammers of the Future. I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by Jack Rosser, who is a reporter for the Evening Standard, who's been down at, a Chad, at, at Chadwell Heath sorry, for a chat with both of those men. Jack, is there a real sense of optimism around the academy at the club? Evening, guys. Yeah, I think, I think there is, really. You sort of go there and, you know, they're nearly ready to sort of unveil the, the new redevelopment. I think that's going to go ahead sort of first weeks of April. Um, 
and then you you sort of go around and you chat to them and they're all looking at, at what Declan Rice has gone on and done and not just, you know, broken into the first team but, but become a really key member of, of Manuel Pellegrini's side and and of course the England cap this week has, has raised it to new levels as well. So there's a real excitement about what's going on there and, and the fact that the door really has been opened. One of Pellegrini's sort of first things that he did once he'd settled in was start picking off, you know, quite a number of, of under-23s players to go over to Rush Green because where the academy trainer, Chad Roy Heath, they've got a separate training ground, a separate base for the first team who work from uh, from Rush Green and, and he started moving the 23s over. So they'll go to Chad Roy Heath, they'll, they'll get ready, they'll have their breakfast there as a squad and then a select few of them will go over and train next to, if, if not with the first team. So there's a real pathway now where it's, you know, as, as Jack and, and Carlton were saying in the week that, about a year, 18 months ago, maybe under Billich, because Moyes looked at a couple, but not too many. Uh, there was a sense that that had sort of stopped, and that given the club situation, there wasn't really a clear pathway um, through to the first team. But that sort of opened up again now, and, and they're seeing the likes of Grady, Dan Garner, uh, uh, Connor Coventry, Josh Powell get their chances um, in the first team as well. So there's, there's a real sort of sense of enthusiasm, and, and that what they're doing has got a real purpose for the club as a whole as well again. Jack, has that been part of, sort of Pellegrini's remit? Because, you know, it's, it's four, with Ben Johnson signing his contracts there, it's four players under Pellegrini that have, that have academy players that have signed contracts this season. Um, is that Was that part of his remit when he came into the club to sort of really, um, you know, look to the youth and, and you know, the, the, the famous academy of football and, and try and revive it somewhat? Yeah, I believe so. I think it's, it's something the club of have long wanted to do the, the sort of talk of the redevelopment of Chadwell Heath has, has been a long-term plan really mate and then I think you know Moyes always spoke about setting it up for the long term and, and going on a, about what was there and the talent that was there and Pellegrini has a real enthusiasm still for, for working with young players and seeing what he can develop them into I mean you speak to him and you you know you get to try and get the normal comparisons of I, I think he compared Grady to Santi Cazorla more recently, comparisons between Declan Rice and Javier Mascherano, and he's got a real resume of players that he's worked with at a younger age, and he, he loves seeing them grow and develop. So I think it's something that's very much part of, of what he wants to do. It's very much part of, of West Ham, of course. They've got a long history of it that, that had gone quiet sort of after Mark Noble, really. There was no one that came in and established themselves as, as the long-term you know, academy graduate. So it's refreshing to see that there's sort of a baton being passed with Declan Rice and, and players like that. But it's definitely very much part of the remit of, of the entire club now is to is to get that kicking into life again. Jack, there's been some there's been some talk a bit more low key I think about the you know, the the new development obviously of Chadwell Heath is an impressive thing and it's a it's a real real feather in the cap of West Ham at the moment. There has been some discussion or questions raised around the fact that the first team train in a you know in a different environment or somewhere different to the youth team whereas a lot of the other big clubs you know it's all one big facility are there plans going forward to change that or do you think that will have a negative impact on on West Ham as a club going forward at all I can't see you know not that I know of and, and I can't really see any plans to, to bring it all back together anytime soon I think it's perhaps more a space thing really in London than than you know, them not wanting to do it. Um it's probably more a logistical thing. But, you know, Pellegrini made a big move of moving the twenty threes over to come and train with him and, and that was really well received within the club and 
and within the academy as well. And, and you know, they've got players that, that know what it's like to go and train with the, the first team now and, and train at Brush Green as well around the the bigger bigger members of the squad. And then Exciting they come back times. to the academy and... Exciting times at West Ham, Jack. I'm sorry, we've got to go to the news, but great to talk to you. Jack Rosser there, Evening Standard correspondent on the latest at the West Ham Academy. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, and James Jones of West Ham World and Will Pugh of Balls on the Line pod. Gents, West Ham currently sit ninth in the table on 42 points, just two short of Wolves in seventh, although Wolves do have a game in hand. What's achievable for the club for the rest of the season? Could a European tilt be on the cards? I think it done us a favour... Uh, Wolves and Watford still been in the cup because speaking to the Watford fans that I know, I know less Wolves fans surprisingly, but <laughs> speaking to the Watford fans that I know, they're very much their focus, understandably, as ours would be if we'd have been able to overcome the mighty Wimbledon. Ours would be on the FA Cup as well at this stage of the season. If you're a Watford fan, West Ham fan, Wolves fan, any position really between seventh and ninth is nice, but if you add in the the chance of an FA Cup final, then that's understandably a focus. So, I don't know, I'd like to think that the focus on that would mean that their form dips. But I'll be quite honest, I don't think I rate our form enough to get enough points on the board to overtake. Wolves especially. Watford, I think we could do. I think we could finish eighth, but the seventh, I think, is probably a little bit too much. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think you know we we blew our chances with a defeat against Cardiff because I think that weekend. Uh, well, you haven't blown your chances. Well, you say that, but you know that weekend. You know we we go to Cardiff, we lose. Same weekend, Wolves and and Watford drop points. I think we'd only be a point behind Wolves, who were seventh. Um, and we, you know, that that was a big blow. If we really, if the club really wants to finish seventh, um, and you know, I know I've spoken a lot of times over the last few weeks about. Do we really want to go through that Europa League qualifying um, process again like we've had done and we've failed against Astra? Great Romanian giants, by the way. Um, <laughs> we got further than Tottenham got in the further Europa, League, Europa yeah. League, yeah. Um, you know, you're the champions of Romania. But at the same time, you can't turn your nose up at seventh, can you really? You, can, you know, the, you know the, the situation we've been over the last couple of years, t- back-to-back relegation battles in a new stadium. You've got to look at it and go. You know, if we if we really want to push on, you've got to finish seventh. But at the same time, do, can we afford to run before we can walk? And I think you know, another if we can finish eighth, eighth or ninth, then I'd still see that as a good season. It's progress on last season and the season before that. And I think you've just got to look at it and go. If we can finish seventh, fantastic. If we finish eighth or ninth, then great. You know, I, I think a top ten finish should be you know should be the absolute minimum now, absolute minimum. And uh, and we can go again next season, strengthen a little bit in the summer. Go on. No, I've had a completely different conversation okay. with quite a few people now, and I th- I think there is an arrogance in that idea that you know if we 
we we sort of talk as if oh you know if we don't have that aggravation of the <laughs> of, of the qualifiers for Europe or we don't have that aggravation of a cup run or we don't have that aggravation of whatever that we're going to turn up next season finish sixth at the end of the day if you know if we if we turn up next season if we manage to get a, a European spot this season albeit a long season that starts in July but it's something a bit different isn't it because if without that, there's every chance that we as West Ham United next season could easily have another mirror image season to this one where we finish 7th to ninth, maybe even 12th. Let's be honest, we don't know what's going to happen. But wouldn't it be nice to just have a bit of a change and have a couple of European games thrown in amongst that? And in terms of giving the club something to play for, would there be an element of if you were to finish 7th, that poor FA Cup campaign then is vindicated to an extent? You go, well, OK, we went out to Wimbledon, but had we stayed in, had we gone further, we wouldn't now be playing European football. So there'd be the sense that it wasn't all for nothing, James. No, I, I get that, um, and the whole FA Cup thing still angers me to this day. I can't get over that, you know, given the way the FA Cup's gone this year, um, it, it annoys me that we're we're not still in, we're not in the semi-finals, or it didn't at least get to the quarter-finals. Um, but yeah, there's a thing that worries me about us having um, good seasons, and I say this with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, and that you know I can't remember the last time we had a really good season and then followed it up with another good season. You know, we were like that last season at the bowling, almost finished in the top four, and then we follow it up with a relegation battle. Um, when we finished fifth, and the Harry Redknapp followed it up with you know a terrible season. And you know, I I can't remember the last time we we, we had a bit of consistency in the terms of successful seasons back to back. And I suppose that kind of worries me that you know if you finish seventh this year, everyone will see it as you know a good season, and then next year. In the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, isn't it going to be another relegation battle? <laughs> so I know I, I I do joke a little bit because you know I do think under under Pellegrini, I think that he's he, he has the the ability and he has the the resources now behind him to to really take us somewhere. Um, but at the same time, we have to learn that you know we have to accept the fact that sometimes you got you know you got you can't run before you can walk, as I keep saying. Let's just take it slowly. Let's take bit by bit. And if we don't finish seventh, it's not going to be the end of the world. It'll be annoying because, you know, it's a great opportunity to finish seventh this season. But I think, you know, let's just, let's just be happy with a little bit of progress. If you don't finish seventh, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But there would potentially be something else to play for in terms of European qualification in that the club have got players like Declan Rice, like Lanzini, who are attracting admiring glances from elsewhere. Would it not be a potentially useful bargaining chip for them to be able to say, listen, lads, it's not the Champions League, but we've got European football. This is a club on the up. We're going places. We're not just finishing eighth. We're finishing seventh. We're playing European football. Stick around. Couldn't agree more because if we don't say things like that, or we don't strive for seventh place in the table, which whether we agree with it or not, at the moment, seventh place in the table is a European spot that that whether we agree with the fact that you have to start in July or not as it stands that is the reward for finishing seventh in the Premier League obviously with all the cup connotations but totally agree because 
Otherwise, and I've said it time and time again, what is the point of football? Otherwise, well, I get it. I do get it. What that. is the point of football? What is We're the point of all of us? We're close to an existential crisis it, here on the West Ham that, fan because show. Because what is the point of us all paying our money What's for the our point season of any tickets everywhere? Well. Literally that. <laughs> literally that. Because otherwise, if you're not going to strive for seventh, if you're, and I've said this to you the other week, if you get to the last game of the season and there's half a chance that you know there's there's a couple of points in it and we might finish seventh or we might finish eighth. There's no way in a thousand years I'm going to be in that ground going, oh, I hope we only get a point today because otherwise we'll be starting in the Europa League next year. All that business and tactics and thinking about the season for the whole season, it's just a waste of time otherwise. You've got to strive as high as you possibly can at the time because if you get in Europe, great. That's a great platform, whether it means you keep Lanzini or it means you keep Anderson, whatever. But at the end of the day, we've all paid our money to go to the ground every every single week to see the team finish as high up the league as we possibly can. So what's the point if we don't do it? Uh, I like, when you were saying that, about 10 people just turned off that live stream right there to be going <laughs> in the studio. What, there, was, there was no point to anything? The, yeah. Has, it, any, has anyone checked on any of them? Um, no, I, I'm not too sure. But you know, about 10 people just dropped off there. So I don't know whether people agree with you or not, but... Perhaps um, you're just better looking than I am. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. <laughs> They're actually back now. The number's going up. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, through the roof. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, no, I see what you mean. And you know, no one's saying we shouldn't finish seventh. No one's saying we should avoid finishing seventh. I think that, you know, I think what I'm trying to say is that if we don't finish seventh, I don't think we should be seeing it as, um, as a failure or as a disappointment. Um, I think, we, you know, don't forget Wolves have had a really, really good season. And if they finish seventh, they would have deserved to finish seventh. Same as Watford. Um, so it's not as if we're we're battling, you know, Huddersfield for seventh, is it? Um, you know, we're battling two sides that are also having very good seasons, uh, better seasons than we are, actually. I think we're, given the season that we've had where it's been very inconsistent, I think we're quite lucky in that we're only four points off seventh at the moment. But, you know, if we do do it, great. You know, we'll be in European qualifiers again and, you know, hopefully we can actually make it to the group stage this time. Um, play a smaller club than Astra um, in the qualifiers. But <laughs> if, if we if we do, if we don't, you know, as long as we finish higher than what's it, 13th last season, then it's progress for me. Absolute right, let, progress. Let me put this to you then. So you say that. Assume, right, say this season we finish eighth and we have a good season, we all pat ourselves on the back. Are you backing us? to, you know, if we have that perfect pre-season like you're imagining we're going to, no, are you backing us to finish any better than seventh next year? So we might as well go for it this year, Leave surely. pre-season out of it for a start because uh, for as long as we we, finished, we were unbeaten in pre-season under Avram Grant and then got relegated, I've never taken any notice of pre-season because it clearly doesn't mean anything. Uh, but no, I think, you know, if you finish eighth this year, then only, the only progress is to finish seventh or, or higher the following year. Um but we also have to remember that to break into that top six is incredibly dif- difficult. So, so we might as well finish seventh this year. But, yeah, but, but there is a point there that James is making, I think, where actually if you look at the table and you look at the top six, Liverpool, City, Tottenham, Arsenal, United, Chelsea, how are you breaking into that as West Ham? The gap between ninth and West Ham and seventh, Wolves, is two points. The gap between Wolves in seventh and Chelsea in sixth is 13 points. So actually, a seventh place finish would be pretty much as well as the club can do at the moment. I mean, I mean, with that in mind, if we finish eighth, we've run us up. We've run us up. <laughs> what so, was that about a big team mentality? <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I, I think we have to also accept that we're not a big, big six club. We're trying to be a big six club. 
Um, and there's no reason why we can't do that a few years down the line. But at the moment, this very moment in time, it's very difficult to do that. So I think we have to just, you know, be a little bit more realistic. Coming up, we'll look at what is going to be required to become a big six club. What can the club do in the summer? Who should they bring in and who should they cling on to? Don't go anywhere. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio, moving away from all things Hammers for just a moment. Theresa May, the Prime Minister, is about to address the nation outside Downing Street. If the country does start to disintegrate, we will bring you all the latest. But until then... We're going to persevere with the mighty hammers. And with that in mind, we've had a lot of debate about whether life is meaningful, whether the (laughs) club can finish seventh, whether the club should want to finish seventh. I think certainly next year, that'll be the target, whether or not they pull it off this year. With that in mind, what needs to be done at the club over the summer to ensure the best possible season next time around? I think... There, we we've spoke about this before, haven't we? Mm. And there's some deadwood in in the squad. Like to be quite honest, there, there, yeah, there's some deadwood in the squad. And I think I think for a change that we're not relying on that deadwood to be dragging us through games, which is nice. We've got some top quality players in that team. The name Andre Yarmolenko has been oh, forgotten, forgotten about, about yeah. amongst West Ham fans for for quite some time now which is nice and it's just nice going into a season where there's some good players to come back Lanzini's obviously come back sooner than a lot of people expected but I think it just it doesn't have to be a dramatic summer I think it'd be good to get a few players out some big wages off the wage book but there's certainly some work to be done but I don't think it's as drastic as it was last summer where there was whole scale changes mm. needed doing. It's not going to be another hundred million pounds, but if there are players, perhaps Andy Carroll on big wages who leave the club, that would free up some financial uh, resources for negotiation manoeuvrability. Are there any areas of the match day squad of the starting 11 that you'd like to see improved? I think there are a number of areas. I think, you know, left and right back are, are still areas that, we should be looking to strengthen. Um, now Fredericks has come in and done pretty well over Zabaleta um, in, in in stages. I think obviously it's very difficult for him to come back from an injury that he had and, and sort of hit the ground running. So you kind of give him the benefit of the doubt when he does have a bit of a bit of a ropey game. Zabaleta, you know, I'd like to see him sign a new contract just because he's a good player to have around. Um, you know, right back. Um, uh, sorry, left back. We could, you know, we could probably do you know, Creswell again. Hot and cold since he since he had that injury a couple of years ago, but you know he seems to be a hit a bit of form. But you know I'd like to see us really do that. But then obviously, given what we're expecting to happen right now, to expect him to leave in the summer, Chicharito, you know, okay, he's come off the bench and scored two goals, but he's expected to leave, isn't he? He wants to go. So suddenly we're short of two strikers. So I think that's probably going to have to be the priority. And in midfield, Jack Wilshere, I'm not too sure where he is. Um, Pedro Obiang might leave. So it's two midfielders short. Um, no one knows what's happening with Samuel Nasri yet. It could be three midfielders short. So there's there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and there's a lot of areas in the squad that need strengthening. But, you know, I'd like us to... I think the left and right back and up front should be the priorities for me. I, I agree. And I think what's important to remember there, in those players that you listed as potential or likely to leave the club, certainly on Anatovic and Hernandez, you're talking 300 grand a week there. Just immediately, Easily. Yeah. immediately off, yeah. off off the books, 
Zabaleta, you know, I hope he stays as well. But there is some Antonio. He's he's not on a small contract. He's one of the better earners at the club. And whether or not he's got a future, given what he's offering to the team at the moment, you've got, a, I reckon, about half a million quid a week worth of wages at the club at the moment being spent on players who aren't exactly, you know, contributing that sort of money. And Equally, you can get some though, decent well, players from that. You're bang on, and I take your point, but the club have got to be careful, haven't they? In that when that 100 million got spent last summer, there was this massive sense of optimism, and rightly, but even with huge amounts of quality being brought into the club, the early season results were poor, and one factor in that was that if you bring in loads of players and ask them and just go, bang, you're a football team, play together. It's not that straightforward. And actually, if the club cull a large part of the squad, bring in new blood again, might you not waste another first few weeks of a season just gelling? There, there is that danger. Um, I think I said a few weeks ago that, you know, I think Pellegrini in his first summer where he spent almost 100 million quid, um, that was, you know, I think, that was desperately needed for a start, but we, we, we've now got a squad where we're, we're in a position where we don't need to go and spend 100 million quid again. You know, we can get rid of, you know, a couple of players going to leave on a free. We can get, get, you know, we can make probably sort of 30, 40 million on selling a few bit of the dead wood, given the, today's market and given how inflated prices can be. And we can reinvest that in players that can come in and then and strengthen the team without really having to spend a penny because, you know, we can reinvest the money that we get for the likes of Obiang, the likes of Masuaku, the likes of, you know, Antonio if he goes. Um, uh, sorry, Masuaku is your yeah, favourite player. I can't believe now, you're trying it? to sell Masuaku. Um, but, you know, you know what I mean? I think, I think the majority of the investment that needed to be done was done last summer. And I think now it's just a case of just, you know, strengthening where, you know, we're going to be weak or where we're going to lose key players. And the only key players I see as uh, losing are, are up front in Hernandez and, and, and out of it. You don't see an early Declan Rice exit? No, no, not not this summer. Uh, and I, I, I think he's at least got one more season at the club. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen between now and then anyway. Um, and it all depends on what we do. If, you know, if we finish seventh and, and get into Europe... Then he's going to want to start the football club, isn't he? So you know he's going to want to play <laughs> play Astro Guga at, at the beginning of June. Um, I, I don't see him leaving. I don't think he, in terms of his advisors, I don't see it being a good move for him just to make make you know go after Man City or something. You know, for six seven hundred grand a week or whatever they'd offer him, and 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 him suddenly start playing Champions League. I think it might be a little bit too soon. And I think he owes the club as well to give at least one more season. Mate. I'll be honest, James. If the Man City show called me up next week and offered me five times as much money as I'm getting for this, then I wouldn't go. This. You traitor. I'd, no, I wouldn't, oh, you go. wouldn't go. I wouldn't I'd stay with you all day. You stay with me. Yeah, it's very <laughs> sweet. Yeah, I, yeah. I think City is unlikely. We're hearing reports today that Sal Nageth is being linked with the club. And I think if they go for him, Rice for now won't be going to the Etihad. Whatever happens for West Ham in the summer, the negotiations will be complex. Talking of complex negotiations, there is a small matter of Brexit to sort out. Theresa May will be addressing the nation from outside Downing Street in just a moment. And we're hearing from Nigel Evans, who is a Tory Brexiteer MP, that she isn't going to announce a general election. I think we all knew this. There was some speculation earlier in the day that the Prime Minister might, but he said no. I can say no to the general election because she was asked about that and she said no. Absolutely not. Could she resign or are we stuck with her? Don't go anywhere. Is Love Sport. This is Love Sport.
Declan Rice has been a real focus of West Ham's season. He's been the breakthrough star, been very impressive. I actually thought he was slightly sloppy in possession against Huddersfield at the weekend, if that's not too blasphemous to say. We were hearing before the break from both of you that he's probably staying at Upton Park for this summer. Do you think next year will be his last in Claret and Blue, or are we talking about a real new generation Billy Bonds? Well, I mean, firstly, if only it was Upton Park still. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Old habits die hard. I thought we'd gone back to breaking time for <laughs> But no, I think realistically, I want to certainly steer away from conversations of him leaving the club. But I also agree with you, Johnny. I think it's very much the, the old fairy tale romance story at the moment where he's come through the Youth Academy at West Ham, the old Academy of Football's back. He's doing really well. He's got the England squad, which is great. But... For sure, that I think in his game as a whole, he's certainly not Man City level yet, certainly not Man City level first team. So I think he, he's certainly got some time within the squad to improve and improve his game as well as, and grow with the team. I think he's, he's on quite a nice level now mm. where his game's at and where the club's at, where certainly for another year, at least another year or two, they can grow together and you know hopefully beyond that. But I think I think he'll benefit a lot from being with England over the next sort of week to 10 days, you know, Bless him. I've seen the videos on England's thing and he, on on social media of him arriving, and you know all the players standing alone. It looks like a kid at first day at school. He sort of doesn't know. No one's really talking to him and stuff like that. But you see him carry his West Ham carrier bag yeah. in with him as well. Yeah. Did he have an Ireland flag as well? No, funnily enough, no. he left that home. <laughs> no, yeah. but I think he might have a Scottish flag. I mean, he's waiting for that <laughs> next, isn't he? But oh, I don't know. I think I think he he'll. He'll benefit from playing with players at that level and training with them. And he looks like, by all means, looks like he's enjoying it. And if reports are to be, be believed, then he might even be starting on Friday night, which would be big for him. Um, and he'll learn he'll learn from it. And that can only be good for West Ham at, at the moment. Forget all this talk about he could be leaving the football club. Forget all that. At the moment, let's enjoy the fact that, you know, we've got one of our own getting an England break and could potentially be starting... Um, on the international stage and you know he's going to be learning he's going to be playing with you know England's best players Harry Kane Deli Alley. Um that's probably some it, other uh, non-Tottenham so, players Mark, yeah, uh, yeah I, I can't believe I just said that Harry Maguire, Rashford, Harry Maguire yeah, Jordan Pickford uh, Jordan Pickford uh, yeah I mean it's going to be good for him and you know Gareth Southgate you know has proven that you know he likes to give these young players an opportunity and put his arm around them and, and, and improve these players because we've seen players like that improve. Um, so it's going to be good for him. And if he can bring all that experience back and what he's learnt back into West Ham, then I think we can only benefit from that in the, in the, in the short term at the very least. As you mentioned there, James, beyond just Declan Rice, this is a really young England squad. It's a very exciting England squad. I was seeing you talking about the videos of training. I was seeing Jaden Sancho sit Harry Maguire down yeah. in training earlier, which was magnificent. Are you excited not just for the future of West Ham, having a West Ham player play for England, but actually the future of England? Because this team looks young, it looks fresh, quick, exciting. Is it coming home? It definitely is. It definitely is. You know, maybe not next tournament. I'm really excited for the Nations League, and I don't think we're going to win a trophy. Yeah, and no one was expecting us to be excited about the the culmination of the Nations League, were we? We're in. I wasn't expecting us to be in it. No, but all of a sudden it's a huge tournament. Well, that's the thing. It's like the League Cup. It's a tiny tournament if you get knocked out of it, but as soon as you're in the final, it is massive. It's it's going to be one of those tournaments where. Um, well, I'd like to think it'd be one of those tournaments. I mean, don't forget, the first World Cup, no one really knew. 
that it was going to end up being this this great sort of you know huge tournament. So this could turn out to be one of the biggest tournaments that England England could win. You know, we might win it this summer, and in twenty years down the line, go, why don't we celebrate that more? Because we haven't won one since. Um, and I think it's brilliant what Southgate's done. I can't remember the last time I felt excited to watch an England game, and I think Southgate deserves a lot of credit for what he's done to English football um, in terms of the World Cup. What happened at the World Cup? Um, I, for one, didn't expect us to get out of the group at the World Cup. So, it, and I th- I'm pretty sure a lot of other people felt the same. And then, so for us to then have an England team that's so young, like so Sancho, Rice, Rashford, um, you know, Chilwell's getting in the team, Alexander Arnold, Alexander Arnold, and Wambasaka's not even in the squad. I know, and players that actually deserve to be there because over the years, so many England managers have just picked players because they're playing for Man United. They're well, there are arguments, Arsenal. and there were arguments made quite strongly on the Crystal Palace fan show last night here on Love Sport that actually that is still going on. There are people saying Kieran Trippier, what's he doing there? For well, I, I, I get that to an extent, but. Southgate's proven that he's not just doing that because he's picking the likes of Declan Rice. I mean, don't forget, like, I mean, I've always been, I've always banged the whole drum that Martin Noble should have had at least one call up at some point in his career, but he's played for West Ham. Um, and so he was never on the radar, the likes of Svengor and Eriksson or, um, or Roy Hodgson. Um, I, I agree as well. I heard Richard Lee talking earlier on about uh, like Pickford and whether the mistakes he's made for Everton but Southgate a good thing that I like what he's doing is Trippier might not have had the best season for Spurs but he's picking them on as well as club form he's also picking them on what he what they've done for England and for him which I think Mm. is important I think don't forget I mean it's definitely happened in the past I mean Theo Walcott signed for Arsenal at 16 he was straight in the England squad going to the World Cup Sven hadn't seen him play by the way but because he's justice signed, for Jermaine Defoe, because he's signed for Arsenal, angry. because he's signed for Arsenal, Sven was like, "Oh, he must be pretty good." I was English, I'll take him, um, and that was the problem. So hopefully, Southgate is is turning them around, and we've got a great great few years ahead. Declan Rice plays for West Ham. He's in the England squad. He's going to score England, the winner. He's going to score the winner. The England squad is young. It's exciting, and West Ham is coming home. Join us next week on the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Sports Social Podcast Network.